Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And what if we can break through that illusion with a deeply embodied feminine expression of awakened consciousness, one that can be realized in the midst of our everyday lives and has the capacity to transform our well-being, our relationships, our work, and our life purpose. Our guest today says it's time to meet every aspect of our earthly experience with this awakened consciousness and with honesty and intimacy. She invites us to discover authentic freedom by being both fully awake and fully human. So therefore, I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, and open your mind and heart so you can settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, Amoda Ma is a contemporary spiritual teacher, author, and speaker. After a profound inner awakening and a long period of integration, she began speaking from silence to small group gatherings in the UK. Now based in California, she travels widely to offer talks, meetings, and retreats, and is a frequent speaker at conferences, attracting spiritual seekers and people looking for peace and fulfillment in an increasingly chaotic world. Her teachings are free of religion and tradition, and she brings to them a deep understanding of the human journey born out of her own experience. Her new book, which I love and recommend highly, Embodied Enlightenment, has been acclaimed as a precious gift to an emerging new humanity, and I couldn't agree more. Welcome, Amoda. Hi, Julie. Hello. I'm really pleased to have you here, Amoda. And you're, like I mentioned, this book is it's just really beautiful, and, and even more beautiful than that is your essence, this gentle, beautiful, awakened essence that, that just really pours through your words and your voice. So I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. And first, we have a traditional question here on the Dr. Julie show. And I really like to just ground our conversation into this bigger meme and a bigger perspective. And I'm sure you will really appreciate this first question. Can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? All things connected. Well, I think it goes beyond connected. (laughs) So that would speak to me on uh, perhaps a deeper level, which is all things are one. Mm. Meaning that everything is born from consciousness. Consciousness comes first and everything is born out of that. And essentially, there is only one consciousness. There are not many consciousness. Uh, There are many forms. Uh, But all those forms are born out of the one consciousness, the one beingness, the one space, the one, um, the one beingness. And when we truly realize that, 
more than a conceptual understanding when we realize that because we've turned into turned towards our own beingness then there is no way that we can harm any other form there is no way that we can not move from love as love and in that sense we are all one and that includes everything beautiful beautiful i'm so pleased that that word love came in too because there's so much when we start thinking about consciousness we can look at it through this lens of science we can look at it through this lens of spirituality and that you know there's there's so much um emerging in our world today as, as we're looking at the chaos and the change but also looking at this evolution of consciousness so i'm really happy that you you brought in that that word and that essence of love and i'm, I'm wondering your the, the byline of your your book is living your awakening in every moment and as i'm talking about the spirituality and the science and there's there's so much going on i'm wondering if you could define awakening or this awakened consciousness that you write about you also talk about enlightenment you know that the name of the book is embodied enlightenment so what are these terms and what do they mean to you well i use the word awakening and enlightenment interchangeably um, I know that's not often the case, but to me, they're one and the same. And what that's pointing to, and, and to say that the word awakening tends to get used in many different ways. It has many different meanings mm-hmm. for, for different people. And, and in that sense, um, yes, there are different perhaps levels of awakening or awakening out of different paradigms. Um, but first of all, just to say how I use it, Awakening and enlightenment uh, are the same, the way that I speak of it. What I'm really referring to is waking up out of the dream of separation. Um, So waking up out of the dream of separation is the realization, the recognition that we are not separate from all that is and i guess this goes right back to that phrase that you you put out here at at the beginning of this conversation all things connected that we that there is only one consciousness that there is only one beingness and out of that um, these apparently separate forms are born are manifest and then we identify with that separation, and that's the root cause of all suffer- suffering. So when we wake up out of that, we, again, not conceptually, but as a very real, visceral um, experience, then we, the, the, the dream of separation is over. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, 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 victim is over yeah any sense of being a victim of anything whether that's being a victim of circumstance or a victim of our own feelings and our own thoughts which is where the real victim is it's of our own thinking and feeling that we're a victim of because we're um 
mostly trying to hold on to positive thoughts and positive feelings whilst trying to reject what we call negative or dark feelings and dark thoughts. But that's because we're identified with those thoughts and therefore we are a victim of those thoughts and feelings. But when we truly wake up out of the dream of separation, then we're no longer a victim. Um, it's not that we only have positive thoughts and feelings. It's that we're not identified with the thoughts and feelings that come and go like waves on the surface of the ocean. We're rooted in a much deeper uh, inner sense of who we are as the one, <laughs> as mm -hmm. the one consciousness. And so everything changes from that. That's radical. And to me, enlightenment is, is the same. Enlightenment is, is perhaps a traditional term that gets misconstrued, that has many myths surrounding it, um, many teachings surround it. And although my book is called Embodied Enlightenment, I actually use that term very rarely in the, con in the, in the main text of the book. I do allude to it to to in some ways demythologize the myths around it um so that's that's how i use that term mm. you know i thank you i just want to really presence that brief definition you gave to really our true nature when you say we're we're rooted in this deeper sense of who we are as that one consciousness that when we do wake out of that dream of separation we really experience ourselves as that one consciousness is is that how you would say that yes that's right yeah. and 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 that's the you know that's that's the source of true fulfillment that's that's our innate wholeness and and when we truly realize that then there's, you know, the seeking for fulfillment from anything outside of us, ourselves, whether that's seeking fulfillment in the material world or in the psychological world through our thoughts and feelings, that comes to a complete stop. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that. And you're, there's so much here and I want to go, oh, yes, and, 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 and so I'm just trying to breathe into this because I don't want to skip over another important piece that you talked about. So I really want to bring this back before we go deeper into this conversation to that word enlightenment that you say you don't mention much in the book. And, and I agree, um, but only to kind of dispel the myths of enlightenment. So let's let's just go there for a minute and kind of muse into some of those myths. I would love to hear what you have to say of, you know, what, what our human mind has done with this, this word enlightenment and what those myths might be. <laughs> well, perhaps the primary myth, you know, and, I, and I, I see these myths playing themselves out in, in all, all, all sorts of people, people that are both newcomers to the spiritual path and just beginning their journey of exploration and also very serious and long-term seekers because they're like subtle veils that get in the way of the realization now. <laughs> um, and so one of the primary myths is that enlightenment or awakening, and let's use those terms interchangeably, 
looks a particular way. And when I say look, yeah. I mean feels a particular way, behaves in a particular way, is expressed in a particular way. And that myth gets perpetuated um, inadvertently by those who are awake and teaching, including myself. <laughs> it's not that we are anyone's trying to portray anything. It's just simply by the very fact that there is a human being expressing that awakeness, being that awakeness, and that awakeness has to filter through the human being, through the, through the, through the mind-body vehicle, through the personality vehicle. We can't get rid of that. So then it takes on a flavor, a feeling, an emanation, um, and all of that. So when people are looking at that surface expression, uh, which inevitably we do, we take in the world through our senses and through our minds and um, through our feelings, then it can create an idea of how it is, of, of what it is. And so especially when there's a resonance, say, with a teacher, um, then, then somebody will, will attach to that resonance and want that, want that, that the teacher seems to be mm. showing or expressing, and also perhaps looking out for how it behaves and how it speaks and, and how, it, you know, how it lives. So this gets in the way. I mean, it's, it's more exacerbated when there's a traditional spiritual teaching that's been handed down, then it becomes more perhaps ossified through that teaching as to what enlightenment is, uh, especially when there's only a one-sided, perhaps lopsided, pointing to the awake state, to awake consciousness. And that's what's happened for uh, centuries and still happens in, in, in modern day spirituality. There tends to be a pointing to awake consciousness, to waking up out of the dream of separation. And that's absolutely vital because that's the part that the majority of humanity has turned away from or missed out or forgotten or is unaware of. But there's a whole other perhaps phase that needs to be included. And that's perhaps where my teaching comes in because I point to both how, I, I, I point to both the awake state but also to how that then filters in through the human being and how it is lived. And, it, and, and in doing so, that's where the demythologizing of some of the, the myths, some of the illusions, some of the blind spots, some of the expectations, um, and all of that comes in. Mm. Thank you for that. I'm wondering if, if you could just speak a little bit more about you mentioned levels of consciousness as well and 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 in um, our culture we're hearing a lot about levels of consciousness states of consciousness um, 
this awakening and, and what's going on on the planet. And some will say from a scientific perspective, um, where we have seven levels of consciousness or stages that we go through. Eastern traditions will say there are four stages of consciousness. And I'm wondering how, how you teach it um, as we're talking about these mythologies about those stages and levels. I mean, are we, are we in the dream of separation and then awake or do we go through those stages until we're really stabilizing this? And I know we're going to talk about that embodiment and, and, and how to really stabilize that in a little bit. But what's your, what's your um, perspective on stages? Well, if we're talking about levels of consciousness, then I don't talk about levels of consciousness. <laughs> um, I, to me, consciousness is consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is only consciousness. Yeah, there aren't levels of awareness. There aren't levels of beingness. We either are awake as consciousness or we're not. Um, so in that sense, there's no um, metaphysical um, understanding here of levels of consciousness uh, in the way that that's often used. So I can't speak about that other than to say consciousness is consciousness on a personal level and i think perhaps that's where the level of consciousness might relate to but on a personal level i i also don't think we go through levels of consciousness i i i think that we wake up <laughs> yeah like i said you're either awake or you're not awake yeah you've either woken up out of the dream of separation or you haven't woken up out of the dream of separation. There is no higher or lower consciousness. There is either being asleep or being awake. But having said that, the word awakening can be used in many different ways. We can wake up out of um, uh, the matrix of social conditioning. We can wake up out of the matrix of personal conditioning. We can wake up out of the matrix of, um, say, uh, um, financial conditioning, and so on and so on. So you know, we can wake up to the matrix of um, the body's conditioning. But like I say, I only speak about awakening as either you wake up or you don't wake up. You're either unconscious, in other words, still living in the surface reality of being identified with form, either physical form or psychological form, or you're not. And once that illusion has been seen through, once the error of the identification has been seen through and experienced, then you can't really go back. That's it. And you can't go higher than that. There's nowhere to go. There's just this, this very present, open reality here now. Now, I do talk about, I do refer to stages in our personal journey only in the sense that very often, and this was part of my journey too, um, people have an awakening experience. Yeah, they have an awakening experience. And then 
that awakening experience seems to disappear. <laughs> yeah. So there's a waking up. Um, there's a, a realization of wholeness, of no separation, of the illusion of identification with form and with that comes a sense of liberation perhaps a, a sense of transcendence a sense of freedom a sense of peace a sense of joy and very often that may last a short time or it may last a longer time but very often it seems to fade away and then there's a return to the personality comes back into view and all its flaws perhaps and the world comes back into view and all its flaws and its pain and its horror and very often there's a sense of disappointment there's a sense of um, confusion um, and sometimes that leads to a sense of despondency and what's really happening is that some vestige of ego is trying to hold on to that awakened experience that awakened view and has a hard time embracing and including the reality the relative reality but it's still a reality of our humanity which includes our lives and our personal lives and the collective reality of the world and so when I talk about stages, it's like the, the, the stage after that is the embodiment. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that's very often missed out because it's not spoken about. It's missed out because it's not wanted. Yeah, It's like there's an attempt to hold on to an awakened state in which there is no more pain. There is no more loss. There is nothing that touches me because in this awake space, I am just open and free. But that's not the whole, uh, that's not the completion of uh, uh, awakening. That's, that's, um, that's an impediment to the filtering in of that awakeness into the everyday human life. And that takes time. So in that sense, it's not higher or lower. It's just a completion of a journey. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's really this integration and, and completion. And, you know, you talked about that with with your story, too, of, of just that time. And so, again, that that really taps into a lot of those myths that are out there for so many. So I love that you talk about the embodiment and, and the process of that. Before we go on a break, and and I'm looking forward to really digging into the embodiment piece after our break. But before we go on break, I'm wondering if you could just speak a little bit more about our ego and personality and the, the role of that, that ego for us. So again, ego is another um, concept that is very much uh, misunderstood. And the word ego is used in many different ways. Um, I speak of ego uh, on a continuum. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's the ego that is the conglomerate of conditioned responses based on the fight or flight mechanism. So there's defense and attack in that. And that really is like the, the root of 
separation, the belief that I am a separate me and I must protect myself um, from the world. Um, and so that's the, the, the common usage of the word ego. And certainly I use it in that way. But then ego, if you take it to uh, another level or, or, or a more refined meaning, is really uh, simply and more purely the sense of I, yeah? the sense of I-ness. And each of us, as long as we're alive, have a sense of I, I am, our I amness. So in that sense, that's very close to beingness. Yeah, it's not beingness in which uh, there is no I. It's not consciousness in which there is no I that can't really be uh, experienced except in deep meditation or times of complete and utter silence in which the I dissolves. But inevitably, as we move into the world and being alive, there is always a sense of I that we can't get rid of and shouldn't get rid of. But the, the, the conditioned uh, fear-based uh, uh, fight-or-flight mechanism that's hijacked um, the sense of I is something that we wake up out of in awakening or enlightenment. Yeah, great. That, that is really helpful. I really appreciate that, Amoda. We are going to take a quick break. I'm Dr. Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show. When we come back, we're going to talk so much more about the embodiment and what you can do to really live this awakened state of consciousness every moment of every day. We'll be right back. channel non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new empower radio app music to empower your meditation help you relax sleep or provide a calm background while you work the empower meditation channel is interruption free listen now with the empower radio app free in the app store or listen online at empower.fm soothe your soul calm your mind the empower meditation channel Blue is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Red is my favorite color. What's yours? What's yours? Well, yeller is sweller for this little feller. And me, I'm keen on green. So what's your favorite color? Tell us, please. Kids will spend 20 minutes listening to songs like what's this. What's your favorite color? Tell us, please. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite? How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. They have the time. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives and the Ad Council. 
Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Oh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. There's hundreds of fun and simple things you and your family can do to live a healthier lifestyle. Here's 20 of them. Eat less, eat slower, eat smarter, eat your fruits and veggies, stop eating before you're full, up your fiber, lower your calories, get off the bus early, do some gardening, do jumping jacks, take the stairs, take one, not two, take on a new sport, take a long walk home, walk instead of drive, bend, stretch, reach for the stars, climb the monkey bars, skip the fudge bars. <sighs> Search We Can online to find more ways you and your family can get healthy together. A message from the Ad Council, HHS, and NIH's We Can program. An entire station devoted to your personal development. Welcome to Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links, as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's the drjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I always love to hear from you. Was this conversation meaningful today? Send me your feedback, leave a comment, and sign up for my email list. We are here today with Amoda Ma, author of Embodied Enlightenment. You can find Amoda at amodama.com. That's A-M-O-D-A-M-A-A.com. Again, amodama.com. Amoda, right before the break, um, we, t- we talked about moving into this embodiment. And it, I think it's so important for us to have this conversation over and over again for others, because it's, you know, sometimes we it's not so easy to anchor ourselves within awakened consciousness when everyday life will continue to pull us back into old ways of thinking, old ways of being. There's so much happening on our planet. There's chaos, there's there's conflict, there's distraction. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation of of what does that really mean to fully embody and as- express this awakened consciousness. So oh, share with our listeners, what does it mean? to really embody this consciousness, to embody enlightenment? It doesn't mean being perfect, that's for sure. (laughs) Good start. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other myth, that we're perfect all the time, that we are loving all the time, that we are kind all the time, that we don't have any irritating or frustrating or fearful thoughts and all of this. And and, and I, I have to say again, that is a major myth. 
um, because the world continues to offer us its horror and its terror and so on and so on. These are the waves on the ocean that we cannot control. Sometimes the ocean is uh, uh, very still and very calm and very beautiful. And sometimes the ocean is uh, stormy uh, and scary and threatening to engulf us. This we cannot control. And so, uh, and, and the surface of the ocean has nothing to do with, um, with awakening. <laughs> we still experience the surface of the ocean. But in awakening, if that awakening has pierced us to the core and woken us out of, woken us up out of the dream of separation all the way, then on the one hand, embodiment, the process of embodiment is, is inevitable because the light of that awakeness, that wholeness starts to filter into our lives. And wherever there's a sticky point, wherever there is an old conditioned pattern or something that has been suppressed or repressed or pushed away because it's been too painful, um, some kind of p part of our personal history or something about the world and our interaction with it that, that we want to recoil from, that awake light, if you see it as a, as a river that's, that's, and the dam's been broken, that river starts to pour into you, it starts to move into all those uh, areas where there has been a uh, false uh, erection of a fortress around our hearts um, because of fear, because of pain, because of hurt. It starts to push against those. Now, that's the point that the real embodiment can start to happen because if there's any vestige of, of self-protection, which there may well be, or any vestige of the idea that enlightenment or awakening means that we do not experience any pain and live some kind of perfect life, then that will be an, obst an obstruction to the river gently or forcefully dissolving those uh, blockages, those dark areas as it meanders through our personal lives. If we, it's at those points that we can consciously choose to turn our attention to what is deeper than the surface reality. And to turn our attention to what is deeper than surface reality is another way of saying it's at those points that we can turn towards the tenderness of the heart, the tenderness of the depth of who we really are. And in that, 
there's the possibility that the heart's innate intelligence is what reveals itself as the wide open space of the ocean itself <laughs> mm. in which the waves continue to rise and fall in ever-changing ways but our attention if you like or our devotion or our allegiance is given to the wide open space of consciousness of the ocean which is a an unbounded acceptance of everything that appears in this thing, in this movie, in this experience that we call my life. Mm. So it, it, it's a shift of attention because in the majority of humanity and in the uh, in the in the unconscious state in the unawake state attention is given or let's call it I, I prefer to call it allegiance yeah it's like we give our allegiance to the surface reality of form those forms being the circumstances of our lives, the events that happen, the interactions that happen, the feelings that appear in response to those, those uh, interactions and relationships and events and circumstances, and the thoughts that appear in reaction to, to everything that happens in our lives. So we give our allegiance to those, believing them to be the only reality so what we're giving allegiance to is is the ego yeah so the egos become our master the ego has become our tormentor the ego has become the driver of our lives but rather than trying to get rid of that there's a softening that can happen towards that. There's a softening of the allegiance to that, which is the same as saying surrender. The surrender is not of the mind, it's of the heart. Mm. Now, in an awakened experience, that happens spontaneously. <laughs> yeah? yeah, That's what an awakened experience is. It's surrender of ego's grip so that a much broader, wider, more absolute reality reveals itself. You talk about this, this beautiful surrender of ego and ego's grip, and we were talking about this, the heart's innate intelligence and how that reveals itself as this wide open space. But you also write about really this awakeness moving from the mind into the heart and then into the belly and can you talk about the belly and and what you're what you're talking about when you really mm. help us to to shift our attention in that way 
Okay, so let me start with the with the mind, <laughs> um, and then move downwards because it, it it's it's all obviously linked, um, and so you can't really talk about one without talking about the other. Yes. So the, so the so the and again the word mind and heart and belly is not used literally but metaphorically. Yeah, all words yes. are are really metaphorical. Yeah, so let, let's not. Uh, get attached to the location, nor to the traditional or the conventional meaning of those words. But when I say that awakening starts in the mind, I mean, it can also start in the heart, or it can start in heart, mind and belly. But just as a useful pointer to the journey of embodiment, it's useful to to speak about those three um, um, metaphors or, or symbols separately as, as, as three separate things, even though they're actually linked together. The, 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 when I say waking up out of the mind or wake, awakening in the mind, that's what I'm referring to as an awakened experience or an experience of awakening. And that's when for a moment or a few moments or sometimes days or longer, but most often it's just very, very short, maybe a few seconds, a few minutes. We, uh, there's, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's a loosening of the grip of ego and a, an expanded sense of beingness. Uh, comes into 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 view, and that happens either spontaneously. Uh, it may happen in moments of stillness in nature, in 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 beauty, um, uh, where the mind just comes to to to, to more of a, a standstill, and there's a space between the thoughts, and we enter that space, and that gives us a sense of peace and freedom. It's like the I dissolves in that, or the me dissolves in that, the separate me, the ego dissolves in that. Or it may happen in moments of uh, acute uh, shock or trauma or accident or loss. Again, there's, there's, a, there's a, a forcing of, of the ego's control to, to, to stop in that. Or it may come through spiritual practice and meditation and so on and so on. Um, now that waking up in the mind, if you like, I, I refer to it as the mind because it's a shift in perspective. It's a shift in perspective from separation, from a separate me with the world out there, and to, sorry, to a a wholeness, a perspective of wholeness in which there is no world out there. There is only consciousness and I, me, and the world are all appearing in it, in consciousness. So it's a shift in perspective. Um, when that awakened perspective then starts to filter into the everyday life, into the human experience, then that's what I call the, the heart. So that's when it starts to move into our personal wounding, our personal story, our relationships, those places where we've created a, an armoring around the heart 
which is another layer of separation. And so when awakeness moves into that, the embodiment process starts. And that's when we can open and surrender even more deeply into the tenderness of the deepest acceptance of what is here, including the pain of our own unresolved uh, woundedness or hurts and all of that. Because as we open to that, then there's the possibility of the, it's like a purification, the realization that consciousness and who we really are can never be wounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then as, as this is all, um, as awakeness filters into this more and more, we come into an even deeper um, purification, perhaps, which is when awakeness starts to, and again, this is metaphorical, starts to move into the belly. When I say belly, I mean into the deepest part of our aliveness, into the deepest part of our I amness. It's the place beyond personal story. It's 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 much more uh it's it's rather than personal it's existential into our very existence into our i amness yeah when awakeness filters into that then what usually happens is a an incredible terror <laughs> arises that terror is the terror of non-existence, the terror of annihilation of the I amness. And as I speak, it sounds very um, um, perhaps metaphysical, but when I speak with people, a lot of spiritual seekers experience this, but don't have a context for it or an understanding of it and therefore it's either pushed away or run away from or ignored but actually this is the doorway to a much more abiding uh, embodiment and living of the truth of awakeness yeah because that's actually the root the very very root of our belief in separation it's the place where consciousness is born into form and that happens very literally as as consciousness is born into form there's a very subtle sense of separation even though the 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 truth is that that form is born in consciousness but as as individuals we have the experience that that we are born out of the the womb of oneness into the world of separation and that's also very literal we literally are born out of the womb of of, of oneness um uh, even though that oneness is unconscious it's not recognized consciously because we don't have self-awareness yet but as we're born out of the womb we experience a very physical and literal separation so that's the existential wound if you like that is at the core of our belief in separation. In awakening, this will reveal itself, if we're lucky, yeah? And that's a place of even deeper surrender because if we truly allow ourselves to um, 
to, to die into that, to give ourselves to that without any scrambling to hold on to the separate me because there's safety and knownness in that, then we realize uh, that our sense of existential separation or our sense of existential aloneness, the I, the singular I, is actually all one. There is no separation. The I is everything and everything appears in that I, even though the I is singular. When that happens, if you like, or that transformation happens, that's what I call awakeness being rooted in the belly. What we come to in that is a deep, deep, unending silence, an inner silence that has always been here and that exists prior to our own existence. That's when awakeness becomes fully embodied. Mm. Now, we don't live in some imaginary state of silence where nothing touches us, where we don't feel anything, where the horror and the suffering of the world or the brokenness uh, of our own lives or or, or anyone else's life doesn't doesn't, uh, have any impact on us. No, no, it's at that point where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the separate self, so there's no more protection. We live as the broken heart, knowing that the broken heart is never broken. (laughs) It was always unbroken to begin with. And yet there is incredible heartbreak in that as we meet the world or as the world continues to pour into us. Mm. Thank you for just really deepening into that. And I I just want to presence that in the book you talk a lot about about everyday life and and really how to come into this place of being fully human and fully awake and you you talk about relationships love money abundance work or you know our our purpose and and this body and and the role of of pain you you talk about so much it's really a a, a very nice um Oh, what do I want to say? A repository of depth in understanding. I, I really appreciate that. I'm wondering what you might say. We're, we're coming on five minutes left in the show, and I'm wondering what you might say to our listeners who are, who are maybe asking themselves, well, how do we really embody this in everyday life? How do we, what does it mean to live fully human and, and a fully awakened life? in this body and in this form, what might you say to them? Well, this is where it gets a little tricky <laughs> because, first of all, let me say that, that from this place of um, uh, what we're calling sil- inner silence, um, from being rooted in the belly, mm-hmm. then w- whatever we meet in life Uh, whether it's through relationships or work and so on and so on, what has transformed in that is that the fear of the separate me 
the fear that the separate me usually has about protecting myself against the pain in this or the challenge in this, that dissolves. So we can meet life in, in that sense fearlessly, not painlessly, but fearlessly. Mm. So in answer to, you, to, to, to your question, Julie, what you just spoke about, how do we live that awakening in everyday life? How do we live fully awake and fully human? I say it's tricky because there's two sides of the coin. And again, I, I meet this in people that I speak with. First of all, the awakening is important. <laughs> Before we can live fully awake and fully human, the awakening needs to go all the way. Yeah? We can't have our cake and eat it in that sense. We can't avoid the transformation that awakening brings prior to living fully awake and fully human. So first of all, go inside and discover who you are. First of all, give, go inside and give everything to that. Give your allegiance to the deepest truth of who or what you are. And then live awake and live human. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that we can, in some ways, forget about the word awakening, forget about the idea of achieving an awakened state, and simply live our humanity with the attitude, if you like, or with the perspective or with the devotion to openness mm. so that whatever is experienced, as we experience suffering and stress, we can choose or you can at least be willing <laughs> to open to that, to to allow whatever is being experienced, the direct experience of your reality, however it reveals itself, to allow it because it's already happening. So any attempt to control it, push it away, reject it, say it shouldn't be happening is, 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 a, is a fight against, it's a futile fight, it's a futile argument. So what I'm really saying is give up the argument with life. Now that, I say it's tricky again, because unless you've had some glimpse of awakening, of something other than the uh, paradigm of ego, it's almost, almost impossible to relax into openness, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> to give up the argument. So it's, it's a tricky conversation, and, and we could dissect this in many ways. And, and I would say that that's what I do with people. As people come to the different meetings and groups and retreats, this is what happens, is that different stories come up, different struggles come up, and then we, we meet that on an individual level. It's like, what is preventing you from... Uh, uh, giving up the argument mm, yeah. with your reality. And then we work with that. Beautiful. Amoda, this was so enlightening, just the conversation itself. And I know there's so much more to your message. You talk about the, this, this new role for us and coming into this 
you know, birthing a new humanity. And so I'm going to leave us with a quote, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining us here today. I really appreciated having you present. Thank you, Julie. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. So here's this beautiful quote. There's a momentum pulling us toward an emerging future. And this future holds the potential for a collective awakening that catapults us into the next stage as a species. For the first time in the known story of the cosmos, consciousness is becoming conscious of itself. You've been listening with the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.